0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Thursday Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. This, as you can tell, is not Jeff Erickson. Jeff is on assignment. Uh, they've asked me to take over the leader's chair and invite anybody I want on as the industry guest. I decided to know other than, I'm gonna give a new kid a little bit of a shot to get some uh, recognition. So I'd like to introduce Peter Kreutzer to the crowd uh, for the, yeah, Peter, Peter has been doing this longer than just about everybody. I'm honored to have Pete on with uh, Peter on with me. I consider him a friend, a colleague, and uh, maybe I'll embarrass a little bit. I even used the word mentor uh, oh, when when uh, when I, I think we talked about that a little bit. Um, we were kind of in the same place, I think, back in those
2: uh, alt alt uh, rec be- fantasy baseball days. It was- yeah,
1: I mean, was your? I know I've talked to you about this. Your chapter in Peter Gollenbach's book that got me into projections a little bit. Um, so there was that. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned alt rec. You know, people talk about. Twitter in its toxicity. I may be misremembering, but I'm remembering Usenet to be about 10 times worse. And that's hard to imagine. It
2: it was, uh, it it was, it could be brutal. It could be brutal. That was, there was no holds barred out there. Yeah. If if you, if you screwed up, you weren't canceled because nobody actually knew you were there except for the 35 people who were following, following it, But, but they were all over you.
1: And this is before, you know, the 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 police came and you know, like you said, canceled. And and you, you could make if you made an ethnic joke, you weren't suddenly you didn't lose half your followers, even though it's just a joke, right? Uh, so yeah, it was it was brutal. And part of what you might talk about, mentor, the manner you handed you always you handed yourself with a particular grace, uh, amongst all that stuff, and still got your point across. So it's something. I'm try to emulate. I can't. I don't have quite the vocabulary necessarily, but it's a it's an approach I've tried to do. If you treat Twitter well, it treats you well back. And I think I learned that from the Usenet days back. Back you know, back when you used to like. I think eloquence is the right word.
2: That's. I I I've not ever taken a shine to Twitter, so that's (laughs) I. I miss the I miss the uh, the Usenet days. The um, Twitter is is uh, just it's too big a universe, and uh, I I've kind of opted out of it. But I try. I mean, I I think your grace and your sense of humor in the in the social media is is a good. Uh, it's you are a good actor out there, and and um, and you show what you can do by being personable and reasonable, and and still having opinions and having. Um, a point of view, which is what it should be all about, really not not winning, not winning necessarily.
1: Yeah, I mean, part of it is because I don't I don't have the bank account to be a jerk. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, sometimes I wish I did, but no, I it's you know I also learn that you can't force funny. I learned the hard way trying to be funny, and you can't try to be funny. It just has to come, it has to come naturally, and then it, I think it's even funnier because it's it is natural. And you develop a reputation. And, and I think I can get by. I have, I have two rules on Twitter. Number one, don't feed the trolls. Number two, if I ever feel like feeding the trolls, see number one. <laughs> and it's worked out pretty well for me, I'll say. I, it's, I'm on there a lot. It's, it's part of the business and part of it is I don't get out much. So they're my, they're my friends. And I think if you show some respect, you get some respect shown back to you. And I think that's what's happening. So it's, 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 you know, but man, those using it with Keith Law, Keith Woolner. Who was some of the, I'm trying to remember some of the other names that were on there.
2: John Mosey was the guy who well, mastered Mosey, the, of course. John Mosey mastered the, uh, mastered the thing. And I, um, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, baseball prospectus crew was on there in those yeah. days. And, um, and there, and there was a lot of good talk about trying to figure out, you taught me something, um, about uh, valuing batting average, where you set your baseline changed the way that the value of batting average changed when you got to the extremes of the math. Which we had, I think, I had always based it on the the bottom of the standings, and you were maybe in the middle, and either in either case, when you got to an extreme, the the value started to fall apart because. Because it's just weird. The math is just weird. It's not. Um, there's not much we can do about it. It's just. Uh, it's a. It's a funny batting average is a funny business, which means that people's dollar values. To, I mean, to get go to fantasy baseball, people's dollar values for batting average are all over the place. Some people don't value it hardly at all, and some people it overwhelms a lot of their um, calculations on what what players are worth. Um, because I think of that, it's not. It's not wrong math. It's just. Funny the way that um, the pieces add together,
1: right? What I found is there is no right way to do it, because the, the same player, the same two two players with the same averages, one will hurt one team and help the other. One will help the the other team and hurt the other. You know, it can be fl- it can flip flop depending on the the where they are in average number of bats each team has. So that right, I mean, if you you know you have more home runs, you help the team more. It's pretty simple, right? Right. As far as counting you know but batting, batting average does have that does have that uh, thing to it. And I've also found and I, I guess, you know, we can talk a little bit about how good the game has changed, but I've also found that I, I, I don't worry as much about the value in a vacuum, especially with batting average. It's such an interesting category and then you can't tell by looking at a set of standings, but it's the most tightly bunched category. If you normalize everything, Normalize all the stats so that there's a thousand units in each. Batting average is the most tightly bunched category. And it's also open to the most variance, isn't it? I mean, couple- that, that's the, I mean, I think that I, the
2: bunchness I was not aware of. That's something I've never done. The, um, but the, the variance of it, it is the category that we've been saying for years. You can you can not buy any batting average and still finish in the middle of the pack and batting average. That's not an unusual thing to have happen because Willie McGee, a 280 lifetime hitter, can hit 360 two years of his career with 255 or whatever. That's an old school example. But um, you know, that's that stuff happens. And um, it it changes expectations for Tim Anderson a few years ago where that he was a 275 hitter and all of a sudden he's He's not. But th- those first years of that were um, were pretty surprising.
1: And the thing that goes along with that, and this is why I like, I mean, I try to get away from the value in a vacuum, is if you don't pay for the batting average, you're paying for the counting stats. And if you do get air quote lucky with the batting average, counting stats are gonna come with it. You know, if you're hitting two eighty and not two forty, that's more runs and more RBI. And so you're you're getting not only you're getting batting average for free you're getting counting stats and you in theory if you didn't pay for batting average previously you paid for counting stats so you're just adding on to what is hopefully an already bountiful supply of counting stats so I, I so this to me it's I'm, i yeah you know, I used to lay awake at night how do I how do I compute batting average how do I get you know, now it's like I don't like really care as much anymore because I don't I don't know that I'm going to use it that much anyway so and I don't want to pay for the batting average I hear people. I like to buy batting average early, that way I can get low average, high steals guys later. I don't know that I like to. I, I want to pay for counting stats. There,
2: and, there are no high steals guys later. That's well, not. it's true. <laughs>
1: exactly, that's true. Uh, but you know, or you know, even even a Joey Gallo. I, you know, I'll get Joey Gallo later or something like that. Right. Uh, but I mean, that used to be. I think that still is a a a way of, of doing things. But. I don't know that I like to pay for the batting average just because it's so easy to get lucky, but because it's so bunched up, the flip side's true is right as as well, right? I mean, a couple of unlucky hitters oh, torpedoes you. Yeah, to you in the in the category yeah. really hard, really hard as well. So it's uh, it's interesting the way that goes. And OBP a little more stable, right, than batting average, but there's still there's still some 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 hinkiness involved.
2: There's definitely, there's definitely hinkiness. There's definitely, but with OBP, you know, you're getting a hitter who walks 10% of the time, 12% of the time, you have a baseline that isn't going to vary that much. And you can count on that, which is both a little more boring opponents of uh, OBP in favor of batting average say, well, that's just dull. It's not really dull because you have the same batting average variance. It's just, you don't get killed by a guy who has a who en- who ends up hitting into bad luck all year, and right. it's two twenty four instead of. I mean, Corey Seager is a guy this year is. Looks like he should be hitting three twenty, but he's hitting two fifty, and that's a big difference on a team in a batting yeah. average league. Not as big a difference in a on base percentage league.
1: No, for sure. Someone like yes, Monty Grindel, who was such a bad year last year. Didn't see it as much in the OBP league because he still was walking all the time, and it, it still it still worked out. Um, and we're talking a little bit about batting averages as OBP. How things have changed. How long have you been playing? How long have you been playing this game?
2: My first year was 1982.
1: Wow, that's uh seven seven years earlier than I was. That's uh You still is, is. You still are. Is that league still in existence? Are you still playing in it?
2: That league is in existence. Um, I played in it for about, uh, I think for t- 10 or 11 years. It was a, um, a league, it was the Stardust League, which um, l- last year, Matt Berry wrote about in, uh, at the, on the anniversary of fantasy baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote about the Stardust League. It started um, at Inside Sports where John Walsh, who, became the, um, who invented the Sports center at ESPN, um, published the first Dan O'Quinn's first story about the Rotisserie League, and for whatever reason, all these people at, um, at Inside Sports started a league that is has is totally unlike the the Rotisserie League. It has it was uh, it started out as a five hitter categories and three pitching categories, um, and you drafted by position. And you didn't just draft by position from the best to the worst or anything else. You drafted by team, by position. Mm. So there was a hat with the teams in it. Okay. And then the auctioneer would pull out and it would say, here's the Houston Astros. And then you would get the short stops from the Houston, all the shortstops from the Houston Astros. And then you'd go to the next team and the next team and the next team. It was, it was totally um, crazy because you would end up with two teams keeping 25% of their money for the best cat you know whatever the last category was trying for that last guy and then fighting to the death and somebody else ended up it was it was great fun and it was great fun figuring out we we had no idea what to do every year um my partner john glasgow and i would 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 say okay well this year maybe we should put give give each player a star if he's good at in one of the categories (laughs) or not a star or a negative star and then And um, and we kept figuring out different ways to rank them in the categories that we played in that league. And the people who did best in that league do things that people today say are still the things Fred Zinke says, you know, get guys five category guys, five category hitters. And that's you're you're going to that's going to make your team. And that's what we found out worked then. And all these years later, it still works.
1: Absolutely. What league have you been in the longest at this point that you're still, that you're. St-
2: so, so actually, so the, so, well, Stardust I was in and I quit to join the American Dream League, which was the first National League, mm-hmm. Rotisserie League, started by the St. Okren and those guys. But th- that was in uh, 1981. The split season strike came and there was an incredible fight among the the different people who thought it should be played as two split seasons or it should be played, it should be played as the whole season. Or, and most of the, I think all the original Rotisserie guys quit and a new group of people came in in 1982. I joined in um, in 1992, I think. Uh, and I didn't think I could play in two leagues at, at the same time. It, it just seemed, that just seemed like a crazy, <laughs> crazy amount of work. Yeah. So so I, I quit the Stardust League. Um, and I and i started playing in that and I played in it ever I played in the American Dream League ever since. Um two years ago I joined back into I joined the I, I was invited back into the Stardust League and I've been playing there the last couple of years again after all this time. And um they don't do the by position by team anymore. They do it by position. But uh hmm. it's and and it's not drawn out of a hat. Whoever's up next nominates. So it's a little more Normal, but um, it's still it's still a funky, oddball league that um, doesn't use ratio, only ERA, and uh, does have strikeouts now.
1: Anyway,
0: we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: Yeah, no, those it's it's fun to. I like the leagues with some quirks in them. I'm I'm in a football league right now that it's a little non-conventional, and I I don't let's change the rules. I'm like no, because I think I have an edge with the non-conventional rules. <laughs> Everybody else wants to make it you know magazine style. I'm, no, 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 let's not do that. But we, you know, we'll do go with the flow. But I I think the interesting rules, um, Wars that we're we're both on the committee. We're kind of I mean it's a it's a balance between. Relating to the public and yet showing some ingenuity, changing a few rules, what we think are for the better. I kind of think we've done a pretty good job. I mean, we talked about OBP. Um, we use a swing man in the AL and NL only, which was Kind of my brainchild, but whatever. I mean, it, it's, it wasn't the first one I want, you know, to think about. I just happened to push it to top Wars where we take an outfield spot away and you can have a pitcher or a hitter in that last outfield, in that last utility spot. Um, what I mean, we're, we have saves plus holds now. We have a head to head lead. Mm-hmm. What, are, this, what are some of the other, what are some of the other, the midweek, midweek changes? A lot of rules. Yeah. Were, were, were because, Administratively, if that's a word, you couldn't you, you, you couldn't handle you couldn't handle a, 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 a midweek move, but now sites can handle them. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, you know, well, I respect that your your league has stayed, the Stardust has stayed the same. There, I think you know you need to make some changes based upon what's available to us now.
2: One one thing that happened in Stardust because there were no computers because we. All the updates had to be done by hand. Um, there would be an update, maybe the standings would be updated once a month. That was one of the things I, I figured out, that if I at least kept track of my own stats for the for um, every day and I knew what sort of the baseline average was, it gave me a great edge to know where I was probably in each of the categories, even though I wasn't figuring out every team, because we wouldn't get the, that month's standings until the until weeks and weeks have gone by which um is not something that we have to worry about anymore i think one of the um the most interesting changes that we introduced in tal wars uh that nobody blinked about really and and uh and people just accept is is redeeming players on the disabled list Mm -hmm. which um we started out as as doing it as a um in a kind of in a restrictive way. They, I think they had to be on the 60 day DL and they, and um, we had some issues because not everybody goes on the 60 day DL before right. they are out for the season. Um, and we, the board talked about it and we came up, we said, let's just try it. Anybody on the disabled list can be redeemed for their what they were paid for on draft day. And that money goes into your fab budget and so you have some kind of recompense for uh, for losing a guy to injury, which is something that injuries hurt, and this gives at least a little something back to teams that get have a lot of injuries. Um, and it's, I, I maybe it, I don't know if it's worked really well or or not. The thing is that nobody's ever complaints about it. It's uh, it's really been just seamless, and people. Some people use it a lot. Some people don't seem to really know the rule exists but, um, and don't use it, or at least they don't use it. But it's, uh, it's, that's something i would not ever heard of anybody else doing until we did it. And...
1: Yeah, labor labor does, Steve does it, Steve Gardner with labor. It's a, it's a little more restrictive. It's, it's 60 day and it ends earlier, but he has it. Um, I think one of the things, and I'm thinking about, you know, I kind of, that not so much inquisitive, but, uh, you know, pensive, pensive look on my face as you're talking. I don't think for Towers, I don't think we do a good enough a job letting people know we have this. I wonder, I wonder how we need to, I mean, I don't know how we go about doing that. Um, do we, you know, do we.
2: Maybe we need to make an introductory video for people. Like we could, we could yeah. say, hey, welcome to Tal we're a, le- we're a group of leagues that has a very special set of rules and you may not know all of them about them and then you could say uh, for instance yeah. on base yeah. percentage we use on base percentage because we think it's the best way yeah we can <coughs>
1: do that and I, I think on the, on the <coughs> weekly reports I put out with the weekly pickups I think if we if I just it's, it's a copy and paste it's easy to do if I have a section on, on the these were the re- these were the, the the rebates this week. If nothing else, it gets it on the report and gets it out there, so people make like, what's that? What's that all about? What do you What do you mean about that? <coughs> so it's just a, it's a way of getting out there. So uh, note to self: um, automate the way to pull rebates into the reports. So, well, it would be nice to
2: be able to automate the rebates because th- that that's the most um, cumbersome aspect of administering the leagues. I think is <coughs> sorry, keeping track of them, keeping track of yeah. who's getting rebated, and then rebating them because we don't redeem the money until the following Monday after the players released after the next run.
1: Yeah, there's a funny, a funny story behind that. Yeah, I mean, what I what I do is I ask everybody to post the rebate cuz I I mean, I can I, I I I instigated a a near scandal by forgetting to do this for somebody. And then they didn't have the, so I can't do, I can't do that again. So I asked people to post it on the forum and it's just part of my routine. After I click the button and insert the bids, I check out the forum and who gets bids and they're all there. And I haven't made a mistake since, but uh, yeah, there's, there, but that that's, but yeah, I don't know how I am by automating it. If I, if everything's in one place, it's a little bit <coughs> easier, but I, I do, I like the rule. And as far as people like, why do you do it to the day after? Um, I let's call it the Jason Gray rule. Uh, back I used to do all the tout leagues by hand, and it wasn't just rebating players, it's also trading fab, which by the way I don't like, but story for another day. Um, I would be on, you know, the eight o'clock or five o'clock, whatever the deadline was, um, you know, four fifty-nine and fifty-eight seconds. I'm Jason like, get in the phone, I'm doing this trade. Click, click, and he'd acquired more fab based on that trade. He now has more fab than (coughs) everybody thought he had. Um, And this is perfectly within the rules. I mean, I'm not, this is within the rules of the time. And, you know, suddenly you're bidding based upon what you think you have. And Jason made a trade and he's got more or, or you turned in a player and you got more. So that's why we made the rule that all rebated fab or traded fab doesn't go in effect until after that week's run So everybody knows exactly what everybody's dealing with. And you don't have to, you know, who's ever the first one to get on my cell phone to to get me on on the hook gets the player. Right. So uh, that was kind of kind of interesting there. But you know, I man, back in those days, the the hands, I would get (coughs) we talked one of the things we, you know, we mentioned you can activate players off the IL midweek. I would be, I would get photocopies of faxes from managers' desks saying that this (laughs) player's you know, elevated off the IL, but it wasn't on MLB. It wasn't on ESPN. So, you know, it's like, well, just because you have access to a manager's office <laughs> and it was, it was machine, copying machine. I know we have to wait till it's on ESPN or MLB. So it's a uh, man. Those, those days of, of hand, hand, swatting are, are interesting. What else, what else has changed with the game over the, to over the past 20, the categories, the categories have changed. Knock on wood for the better. What else do you think has changed the most from when we played back in the 80s and 90s? Well, I, I think the, the,
2: the access to player news is totally different and it's completely changed. When I um, started Rotoman at ESPN, which was 1995, there wasn't any, I, the idea came from, because in American Dream League, a bunch of journalists, we were all used to, Calling people up and getting information, and so it was pretty common for people to say, oh, "I wonder why my guy didn't play last night." And calling the press office for the Indians and finding out, like that was, and those guys, those press people, started to not like it. And access to out-of-town papers, the the National was helpful for a little bit. USA Today was helpful, increasingly helpful, and Sports Weekly became um, pretty good about. Updating the news, but um, in those in those first years of writing Ask Rotoman for ESPN, it was it was not there was still a lot of information out there that wasn't a lot of news that wasn't available to people in wherever they happened to be, and I and I thought it was a clever idea to not have to answer every question about every player in baseball to be able to pick the four or five questions each week that I could answer. And, and, um, and have some added value because of that. Um, and that worked out. When After I moved it to um, Major League Baseball, it became increasingly a, um, a saver metric column, more about why they think that this guy's going to do better than that guy based on the underlying data that we didn't really have then yeah. so much as what was to come in the next, um, you know, by the time I left in 2008, we were starting to really get uh, stat cast and pitch effects and, and that stuff was starting to become available, but without any, without the history of it, 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 it was all in a void until it's really started to come together in the last five, seven, eight years where we know what things mean, or we think we do a little bit.
1: Yeah. Voris McCracken kind of, Woke us all up there, didn't he? With a uh, dips theory, we couldn't believe it. I mean, Pedro Martinez and Pedro Astacio have the same BABIP. How can that be? <laughs> that that can't, how can that be? It's just it's, and, and what it's what just transitioned to now is just is just silly. But I, I think new, yeah, I I think agree. you know, News, news and, and and general information, but the the way the game, I mean, the style that we play back in the day. I mean, you talked about your league being a little different, but we used to be you know, whatever you know. 10 and 12 team AL and only auctions. And now the most popular formats are 10 and 12 team mixed drafts with point scoring. So I, we, we, I think we both tried over the years to at least dabble in some other formats. So we have some semblance of confidence when we talk about them to people. <laughs> I don't think, you know, when we, we we can't get into, you know, I think there are people who have been weaned on these, on these styles that, you know, can, can trump us, but it's just, uh, to me, that's that just the way the game has. I don't. I don't want to. People say it's been dumbed down, but I don't like to go down that road. Um, I
2: I think there's a lot more challenge in the shallower leagues to finding yeah. the the right player to play, and you have to be much bolder about the moves you make based on based on news and based on what you know about uh, a player, a player's collapse, a player like is that a, is this a one week slump or is this is he. Is he done? Is he out? Is, is yeah. this like? A, is cause this is going to be a bad season? I mean, I, the the Max Muncy question every week is like, I I know every time I sit him, he hits a home run, but um, it's every time I play him, he's it's an on base league, on base league, so it's not always a disaster, but it's it's not it's a it's a challenge, and and I think that I think people who play in those games and do well in them have to be. A lot bolder about making those decisions. You can't sit on waiting for a guy to come around. That's that's different than in a AL or NL league where you don't have that many options.
1: And in the olden days, get off my lawn, <laughs> you couldn't make a move unless the player was hurt or sent down to the minors. It wasn't as if you weren't lazy. You, the guy's not hurt; he's on your roster, whether it be a pitcher or you know eating up terrible innings or a batter. Not contributing and draining your batting average. You you couldn't even drop him if you if you if you wanted. You couldn't even get rid of him if you wanted to release him. So we just stuck with him. I, I kind of
2: think that was a really bad rule.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't that was, that didn't that roll into the whole administrative thing? I think well, I,
2: and having to like having but guys tied to guys who are on the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the reserves and then oh yeah. yeah I think all of that was ter- That was terrible. It's um, it's terrible gameplay, it, and it, it doesn't really have that much to do with baseball. It's um, it's just punishing, for no good reason. You have a team, and you have alternates or the free agents. We should make use of those. That's that's part of the game, and it, I'm opposed to the the the, yeah, the, the when tying is sitting on guys
1: as yeah as you know you join statement. Being- Yeah, no, exactly. You you join a league because that's those are the rules. But the leagues, when I first started, you know, the old school rules. The one I could not stand the tie to the player rule. I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't get it. To me, you know. But both of them are playing good, and this guy's terrible. Why can't I drop this guy? Well, the rules say. And at that time, I mean, was all star stats and TQ. There was some, some, some uh, commissioner services that were getting a little better. CBS, too, too, I think. So you could start to do implement some of these these what we now appear to be the common sense rules, but at the time the commissioner would have to track these sorts of things and it it wasn't always easy. But yeah, I think so that that to me now, uh, you know, again the gameplay. The um, what do you where are you on on not not DFS but daily leagues? Because that's where everybody they think it's so much more strategy to be able to make a move. Make you know, man, why can't I manage my roster? And you know, it, it's, it's so much. We're so <clears throat> at least you know philosophically. Where are you on daily leagues?
2: So the the Stardust League has daily moves. Um, it's a it's a twelve team mixed league um, with three keepers per year, and you can't you can't trade for keepers. The keepers are come off your the guys you drafted the year before. Okay. So, um, and they the hitters can go. Hitters and pitchers can go up and down every day. Um, <clears throat> there's a cap of 180 starts, which limits the amount of streaming pitchers you can do. Um, otherwise, it's a it's a free for all. Uh, I was a little reluctant coming back to it because I I had gotten out of the habit of the daily roster moves. I find it a little frustrating. Um, Because I've because I make these mistakes on Muncie. I I think I I don't think I was sitting. I think I was sitting Josh Donaldson the last time he um, he did something good. Which um, you know those things happen. That's part of it. Uh, But I don't actually mind it. It it is a way of a better way of thinking about uh, the matchups each day. Who's who the pitchers are. Um, it, 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 I think it definitely rewards a, a higher level of attention to your, to one's team and and who they're playing. And um, I wouldn't want to play every league that way, and I wouldn't want to play it with like with daily pickups, which was one of the things that got people off of the daily transactions. Like if you could, oh, you know, baddie's up, and we we got I, I'm, I, I saw it first, so I can claim them. I mean, that sort of thing was. A 1980s thing that um, even into the, even into the nineties, I have conversations with people at, through Rotoman at ESPN that were like, you're, you've got to do it that way because I like, that's, that's, that rewards dedication to your team. You're like a general manager, man. And, um, but it kind of wrecked the whole idea of a, of a league being equal, having equal access, which is the other, is a, is a better, a better way to do it, I think.
1: No, I agree. My my I play in a couple of well this year I'm not playing in a couple of the leagues. I'm that guy and I apologize and I'll I'll write notes mm-hmm. to the league. It's it's not, I'm not happy about it. I'm I've uh, kind of ignored my no teams. But the um I mean you know, at my roots, <coughs> I think we should get a general expectation of a player and kind of convert that into how we feel he helps your roster, call it a value, call it a ranking, whatever you want to call it. And that gets diminished with daily moves. So I, so from that aspect, I think, you know, you should, ha- you should have to li- live with, I mean, or accept or, or get, get everything a player is supposed to give. Um, I do like the Intel Wars being able to replace a hurt player or a minor league player, et cetera, uh, midweek. If you, if you happen to have the uh, available player on your reserve. So I think that's a nice compromise. However, if people like the if they like like you mentioned the strategy the deep thinking, you know that's fine. If you get twelve or 15 people that think that's the way to play, that's the best league is the league where, as you know, everybody thinks the rules are good. I don't care what the rules are. If, I, if all ten or twelve people think they're the great, the best, then they're the best for those ten or twelve people. So Absolutely, I, that is yeah. that is
2: that is the baseline. That is what yeah. a league should be. That makes a league. Otherwise, yeah. it's yeah. it's going to be a fight.
1: So, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I'm such a fan of DFS leagues because it incorporates that day-to-day matchup thinking. But because it's DFS, you can have a different lineup every. You're not married to the same players. You can choose everybody. Now, you know, for very, you know, mainly follow the money. DFS leagues haven't really uh, picked up the same rate that DFS itself has. That's fine. Uh, You know, you can't, you know, the sites can't monetize it very well, but I, you know, my itch to play or this daily moves is filled with playing, you know, DFS leagues, a couple of those. Um, I just, I I, I need, if I think a player is going to produce a certain stat line, I want to pay for that stat line and have to take the good and the bad with it. I don't want to be able to take him out uh, with this matchup, put him back in here, take him out because... You're not projecting the player. You're the projection. Throw the you know, throw the projection out. And even in mixed league, we're already doing that, right? The mm-hmm. the, the fourth and the fifth and the sixth pitchers that we draft in TGFBI, there we're not drafting their projection. We're drafting their home projection, right? Right. And who knows what that is, but we're we're trying to figure out. We're guessing what their home projection or their good matchup projection might be. We're not going to use Brad Keller every single game, but against Detroit, you know, against the Cleveland, Well, Cleveland's doing well. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of, you know, it's my bet good for my brand, but it kind of, you know, valuation is flawed and the fact that the value we put assumes the player plays every day, that's, that's a flaw.
2: It's an approximation and yeah. um, and it's every day is a different set of values for every player. I mean, it, earnings for every player and they compare to whatever, your overall expectation is, and they should. If you, if you get it right, they add up. It averages right. out to, to be that number. But it does mean that who you decide to play can have a big impact on how your team does. Positive if you get it right, or negative if you get it wrong. And um, I I I think it does come down to the style you want to play. How you yeah. how you can get a t- people who agree to play with with that i don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with it but it's it is a different game it it require it you end up having your i I remember many many years ago playing um stratomatic and and uh, the card that made in this we we played one year like for money we played like rotisserie except it was stratomatic and um Mark Lansing, Expo's second baseman was a mark. And he um he hit like his card was like 440 against lefties. <laughs> and and it was it was he was a gold mine. It was um it was unbelievable the 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 role playing aspect for the short sample that made him a monster over the course of the year in a, in a flawed mathematical model that Uh, allowed you to take advantage of that every time there was a lefty on the mat. There was a lefty on the mat and uh, getting away from that kind of, well, I was going to say getting away from that kind of manipulation is like we should, but of course Major League Baseball has gone the other way with the relievers, the pinch, not so much the pinch hitting because they've discovered that the relievers are much more effective than the hitters are necessarily hitting off of the Taking advantage of the platoon advantage, I think. Right? It's uh, otherwise there'd be more hitters on the, there'd be more pinch hitting, rather than um, opting to have 14 pitchers or whatever they uh 14 pitchers before they reduced them. Right?
1: Yeah, I think. Right? Yeah, I do think. Yes, I think part of it is the numbers there, but I think there's just there's just the need for so many pitchers in the way that they deployed now. I think feeds into that as well. But right, especially when you get up into the velocity throwing relievers, you're losing some of the you know the, the advantage of the platoon on some of these hitters. It just doesn't matter if they have platoon. They haven't they haven't played for three days, and now you're gonna go in against a guy throwing, you know, 99. It's just it just doesn't it just doesn't work. Peter and I will continue this discussion in a second, but first, the weather is heating up and so are the promotions at Caesar's Sportsbook. Today Anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesars Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesars Sportsbook promo code Roto That's Roto, ROTO15. That's R O T O 1 5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free first bet up to $1500. Visit caesars.com/sportsbooks or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today and don't forget to use the promo code Roto fifteen when signing up. But um, talk a little bit about projections. You still you still do them either on your own or, or for the for the guide, correct?
2: I do them for the guide and then I do them for um, Alex Patton and I have a right. the, the package that we sell over at um patentandco.com.
1: How is that how have projections changed, do you think, over the years? Uh, you know, we, again, you, you wrote the chapter in Gollum. It was a Gollenbach's 80. Which one was it, 87? 94. 94. 94. 94. Uh, so you wrote that chapter in, 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 in Peter Gollenbach's book. So it's been almost 30 years, coming up, what, 28, 28 years? No, wait, 38.
2: No, 38 years. <laughs> Couldn't be that long. No,
1: 28. <laughs> 20, 94. Yeah. So, yeah, so eight, 30, 28 years. Yeah, 28 20. years. How, I mean, I mean, obviously obvious in that we get more information, but how, is that it? How much, how are, how are the way, how of the, what you've done projections you think have changed the most over the years? I, I think
2: in projections, there's, um, the challenge in pro- projections is the, uh, variance from year to year in player performance, just because of the 25% of effect. That's pretty, pretty randomized Sometimes the randomizing fits right into the pattern of the player, and you say, Oh, that's the player. And that, and but sometimes they go high, sometimes they go low, sometimes the balls go over the fence, sometimes they don't. I've not made any effort to take the stack cast, like, Oh, it was how many were close and how many were out, because I, I they're very small samples. There's I don't think I don't think you can meaningfully incorporate. A lot of that in mathematically into a projection system and have it mean something i think the what we have to work with is what the players have done in terms of and that what we have now that we didn't have very ably um 38 years ago 28 years 28 years ago was um you know it's just math so i don't know the, the years the um I think the thing that we have now that we didn't have as much then, things like BABIP and the fly ball rates, and um, we have a much better baseline of what a player has done. We have much better access to it. Ron Chandler was doing a lot of this stuff in the early nineties. I wasn't paying attention to him then. So I, I (laughs) um, didn't, I didn't know that, but, um, but I think that, as much as that stuff is important and helpful in understanding players it's still really a matter of analyzing the player and adjusting rather than trying to incorporate that sort of information into the the algorithm the the formula that that projects the actual stats and and um I, that's kind of the that's kind of the old school way of doing it the um, the I, it's uh, it's not something that I would say you have to do it this way. I, a bunch of people. I it's the way I I do it. I do I have a formula that projects each of the categories. Project. I mean all the the actual baseball categories projects them based on the last two or three or four years of performance. The um, what I learned in doing that in studying it closely in in 1994 for Peter's book and. Um, and it evaluated over the next number of years was just how much information is there three years back in the player's performance. And there actually isn't very much. You can get almost as accurate a project. You can get as accurate a projection in almost every way using two years rather than three years. If you get the proper weights from, um, from your uh, regression scheme. So mm-hmm. that still doesn't get you a, a very accurate, pro- pro- um, accurate projection. And what, I found, and what um, my my pitch is, I look at them all closely, or I, I try to look at them all closely. Occasionally, one slips through, and I um, am embarrassed. But the I bespoke them. I look at them. I look at what I know about the player, and and is there's an age in my formula, but there's also, you know, I know heavy set first baseman types don't usually last into the, you know, so a guy who's going great guns when he's 32 or 33, I knock him down some. I'd not, and that's just my, that's kind of my gut. It's kind of my taking what I know to be mm-hmm. the facts of the case and, and adjusting. And I, I think all of us were humbled or should have been humbled by um, Tom Tango's Forecaster challenge, which uh, he ran for a few years back uh, 10 years ago. I won one year in the, in the ordinary Joe's category. Um, And, and the other people who won were um, Mike Potteritz and, and uh, I think Tim Haney. And, and we all, when we talked about it, we talked about how we beat the, we beat the like forecasting systems that rely on the math because it's really hard for those systems to, to incorporate all of what we know as baseball fans into the projection. And so our projections were better. The problem was that we also, we rarely beat Marcel the monkey, who is the most generalized and uses the, is the most generalized of projection systems, but it also uses a trick of math. And by making everything regress to the mean a lot, it it ignores the outside and it just is like the most common denominator. It so it scores really well in any test because there's as long as this as long as you have enough n in the in your sample, it scores really well in a test. Which is the trick of what Tom did. What and what matters to players is that you get the the peaks right. The the guys who break out, the guys who, um. And that's what. I don't predict outside peaks either. I don't say, uh, you know, Fulmer is going to hit 37 home runs this year, even though he's never hit more than 12 before. Because, um, but, but you still can say, Corey Seager, people keep every year, people say Corey Seager can't play and, uh, and uh, he can play. And it's, and it is, he's underprojected every year. Maybe he won't be in the in the future, or maybe he will be because he's hitting 250. But it's um, the uh, I'm. I keep talking here. I better stop.
1: <laughs> well, well the, the, you you will not be lying awake at night when MLB announces that they're legislating the shift. I mean, you may as you're going through players may say, "Wow, this guy's a lefty pull hitter." I'm going to knock him down a bit. But you're not going to be up all day and night with Excel, trying to figure out a, a formula to account for the shift.
2: No, I know, and and I, I, if they, I mean, I think it's a terrible mistake to legislate against the shift. This seems like the perfect place for the organic nature of baseball, to say, hey, let's reward hitters who can go the other way, who can bunt and run, who can do those things that, because of other factors became not a part of the game maybe there's a place for them in the game again if we get players who can actually take advantage of those things um and and legislating it is is just going to i don't know it's like a lot of these things probably it's not going to wreck it i i I mean i thought interleague play would totally wreck things but it only (laughs) wrecked it a little um i i think the let this let them shift I, you don't even really notice it most of the time until you see the play it's it doesn't sound like it takes more time it's not like it right. um it's not like it slows the game down when they do it
1: as a scientist i think you should be rewarded for the research you do and if you know the guy hits the ball here and you put four guys there you should be rewarded for that but as a fan i do think there is a little bit the game is different there isn't as much bunting and running and that's maybe it's not It doesn't feel another run matrix to the best way to win, but it's it's more an enjoyable game to watch. So it's kind of a conundrum, and I think organically, if you would like, you said you kind of alluded to it. If they didn't change it over time, the players that can beat the shift would just mature and come up, and in ten years, it would be taken care of by itself. But we don't want to wait that long. We want you know, we don't want to wait that long. We want the game better right now. You know, TV sponsors want it different right now because no one's watching, et cetera. Yeah, I think we've both been reading for the past, well, you know, forty to fifty years why the game's ruined. But we've and, been reading it for forty or fifty years,
2: and that's only because we're 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 like in our fifties and sixties. If we were a hundred, we would have been reading it for yeah, ninety years. Exactly. I mean, that's it's yeah. not it's always been the case. And I yeah. uh, I read something. I you know I go to the park by my house. <clears throat> and there are baseball fields and they're full of little kids playing baseball and and loving it and i we have a little league parade or it's not little league but it's a youth baseball parade they take over the avenue and hundreds of kids march down the street and the parents all line up and baseball is not um is not unloved it's not the, this generation isn't hating it it it's developmentally um, confused and it has and it has problems competing with basketball and football but those are sports that don't play at the same time that don't that are you know are not the great weather sports that baseball is and um, I it's the constant negativity really bugs me as a, a as a modus for like oh we've got to do these things um,
1: yeah they also don't Baseball requires, what, three, four, five, six years of nurturing in minor league systems, and I think they're making strides in that now, but if you have a chance to play professional basketball when you're 21 or ride a bus for minimal dollars eating Big Macs and sleeping, you know, in terrible places – you're going to choose basketball, you know. Doesn't care what athlete, you know, what, what, what you know, who you are. So I think that's, but they like, hopefully, major leagues going, going to uh, sort of addressing those systems, those things now. But the other thing, you know, the the whole, all right, we got the shift, and we got you kind of alluded to interleague play. We get a balanced schedule next year. So you know, when you're going through an AL East pitcher, you know, maybe you're going to say, well, you know what, he's going to have a slightly easier schedule. So you your spreadsheet says this and maybe you just overwrite and put that in whereas you know some of us will be coming up with some kind of formula comparing ops and WOBA of this division and that division and and doing it for us i mean you know you mentioned your more simplistic nature and there's other ways to do it some of us that charge people expect you to cast change, you know. They expect these. They expect that to be in your advertise. You know, when we're competing with DC, when we're competing with with Derek Cardi and the Bat, which has proven itself. Uh, mm-hmm. That you know, you, you, you need, I mean, I can't. I can't go to that level, but I have to have some of that in there. I have to have some expected home run regression. Um, oh you know.
2: yeah, no, that that is. I mean, I I, I that's all part of my original yeah, right, baseline yeah. projection. I don't I don't ignore that stuff at all the, the bigger ones, but, and I, and the, whether the shift gets outlawed or not, I, it's, that's, I think that's a small part of the player value because it affects batting average more than anything else. We already know that batting average is like, shouldn't be weighted too heavily. So, um, I mean, it's changed the game in a, in that odd way. Earlier this year, it's, I felt like I was seeing games that, um, I was seeing a lot more ground balls hit, a lot more balls going through. There seemed to be a lot more action Jackson type stuff, partly because the home runs were down. Um, It's uh, now, I don't know. The numbers are not really that supportive of anything being that much different, except for uh, things are a little, things are different, but it's, I mean, it's not, it's not a dramatic change. Um, But I, Another aspect of this is um, those fangraph stack the fangraph stack of projections, which shows all those systems. Basically, Derek's is the most out there, sometimes correctly, sometimes incorrectly. Um, but they're, you know, it's it's a pretty small bucket that everybody's getting thrown into. It's not there's not a lot of variance in what people are willing to say the player the player performance is going to be because. I, I think really there isn't that there isn't um, there isn't that much utility in going that f- too far out of the box or um, there, you make you just make more mistakes if you go too far out of the box, but you should definitely adjust based on um, the the known the known problems and the known the known uh, skill level issues that come up. Um, the balance schedule. To get back to that for the last few years, it's been, I've built teams, AL only teams just around pitchers in the central AL central. Like that was a no brainer. You, especially on Cleveland and Minnesota. So they didn't have to face their own teams. That that was a, that was a a pretty winning strategy to, to get out of, um, to to have to, for my $1 pitching staff, $1 pitchers. It's, uh, it, it works more often than, than not.
1: No, for sure. And I think I probably will have some level of automation. Cause when you, when you need to get the stuff out as fast as I do, I have to have something, you know, some automated, but man, I'm all, I'm not going to have a whole lot of time. I mean, we got first pitch right after the season is, is you know, and, and I, I, I get out by November 1st just because Well, no, I'm sorry, first pitch is right afterwards, Um, The plot, what I'm thinking of the plot, the season ends half a week later than normal. So it eats into my time and the minor leagues are going later. So I can't even get my MLEs done. So I just, because I need to, I get my stuff out before Greg and the NFPC. um, I, I kind of have to say, well, these are subject to change. I haven't, haven't looked at every single one yet. So it's, it's kind of the way it is, but this year for the first year ever, I went through every pitcher and I made sure his BABIP and left on base percentage were reasonable. I've always just I eyeballed ERA and whip and yeah, they're within range, but sometimes it's because you got this terribly high BABIP and this terribly low left on base and it brings it to the middle. So this year I went through everything. So I'm curious to see if that helps or was it a waste of time or did it actually help? i um, curious to see how that works out. But again, I don't have a ton of time. To uh, to to do it before I need to get them. It's all Ambrosius's fault, getting these <laughs> drafts started on November first. I mean, I remember, you know, when it was with Jason and Rob leibowitz You know, we were it's February fifteenth. We're like, oh, we gotta get we gotta get projections out <laughs> now. By eh, by that by now it's it, it's it's uh, it's it's crazy. But uh, we've um we had a tout table question this week. We kind of ended on a you know maybe helping people out a little bit with their, with their leagues. And that's, it's, it's more about what do we, what do you look, we, we talk a lot about these roster machinations. What do you look for? What do we look for when on the fringier players, when we're looking to make a, a, a lineup decision and there's so many r- rookies that have been called up lately that we, you know, we're kind of what we know, what we don't know. What, what does it take for you to put Brett Beatty in your lineup to put um, uh, uh blanking on this the the kid from not even a kid from Colorado, the center fielder, uh Winton, while wow, Winter Bernard. What does it take for you to uh this this uh Is the fact that he's a catcher enough because my catchers stink and he may be better. We don't know. What do you what is some of the impetuses to get some of these rookies into the lineup? Well I think
2: uh I thought this was a good question because it goes to every waiver period from the trading deadline to the end of the season you're in it you're just out of it you're trying to save a bit of the season because you're in a bad you're down in the standings and you want to climb into the middle um there's a few different classes of players there's there's guys like langoliers who it's hard to know how much he's going to play how long he's going to be around for but a lot of teams have really bad catchers and you can't really, if he doesn't play, he might be a, an improvement. And, and, um, and he's got a pedigree. Like I, I say, a guy with a pedigree comes up can those are there. They can get hot. They can, as we've seen a lot in the last year or two, a lot of guys have, who, Jared Kellenick was supposed to, you know, kill from day one, and all of a sudden the Mets look like geniuses, which is uh, like not, <laughs> not it wasn't supposed to happen. Um, the um, so I, I think it really comes down to what opportunity there is and the and the playing time issues. If somebody's going to play and they have skills that can help your team, you've got to take a shot on them. In in deep leagues, definitely. In um, in, a, in a 12 or 15 team league, you have to look at them in the context of who else is available at that at that point. I In my AL league, I added Bubba Thompson. I can really use some steals. There was a great deal of... I mean, I have, have concerns that he could go over the next 32, but he, he doesn't look to me like he's got a complete control over each at bat, each swing, um, but he's... He's been okay, and he's stolen a few bases, and it's 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 short term, and you're and you're you just have to monitor. I, I think the bottom line is you try and find who's going to help you in the category. You be as focused as you can on adding that type of talent if you need it, and then get ready to to pull it if you have to, if you need to go to an alternative. And that's with the unpedigreed players. That's even more important because yeah. It can add up quickly. The bad stuff can add up quickly.
1: Right. Especially if the team wants to get a look at the player and they don't do the dirty work for you. They leave him in there uh, sometimes. So, you, you know, they, they don't save you from yourself. I got I, I think it was smart the way the majority of the touts said I look at recent numbers for playing time. I don't get too wrapped up in, in, in streaks. I think only one or two answers says, yeah, I'm going to play a hot player because he's hot and that's more important at the end of the year, which I don't think is true. I don't, I mean, uh, hot <laughs> is unpredictable in May. It's unpredictable in, in, in August. I think what is different is in May, you can afford to play a little safer. If you need those steals, you might not have to take a chance on someone as, you know up and down as Bubba Thompson. But in August, you got to, if you, you're not going to win otherwise, if right. you're not going to win otherwise you have to take the chance. So I think that's the difference is the level of desperation or need your your risk your risk reward ratio has to tilt, you know, in that way. In, in May, I'm not I'm hardly taking a chance on these guys. I'd rather go with David Peralta. I'll miss out on you know whoever I'm trying to think of someone that kind of, you know, I missed out on because he even Julio Rodriguez. I mean, to that extent, I mean, I'll miss, I missed out on Rodriguez. I wasn't going to draft him the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Um, I just wasn't going to do it. Give me, give me Cole Calhoun, uh, you know, is, is my last outfielder. I'm not going to take a shot on, on some of these breakout guys. And it, I get, I pay, you know, I, I pay for it, but you take the, look at the teams that are, wow, he got Julio Rodriguez. He probably also picked, or she also picked, a, took a chance on two or three other players that aren't doing so well, so, so their team isn't really doing doing so well. So, but I just, it, to me, it's it, we talking, circling back to the beginning. This is to me the major difference from back in the back in the day. We couldn't make these moves here. You know, this is what you know. We, you know, shout out to our, our our friend and colleague, you know, Vlad Sedler, puts the work in. And that's he makes these moves. That's why he's so successful managing some of these, you know, twelve team leagues where you know where he where he, you know gets his uh, gets his biggest return, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, and I think I thought I, I thought I was doing it, but you know I'm finding now that you know for as hard as I think I'm working, there's people working even harder, and I need to fix that or play fewer leagues.
2: <laughs> well that's that's definitely that is definitely true um I, there's i i mean i think some of that work is valuable some of it is misleading yeah i'm, I'm not sh- i it's not like somebody can get it right every time it's not like somebody can can put the work in and say this oh the kelleneck is not going to is not going to break out that we're we've got um those, those things are, are, you can have your suspicions, but players who are equally maligned uh, at Garcia mm-hmm. is, you know, is like, okay. So in, in last April he was on your waiver wire and somebody, somebody paid for him. And if they had, if they only had to pay six, six of a thousand dollars, they, that was a team changing, a season changing um acquisition and that is there's no way to look at him and say oh this guy is going to hit hit all these home runs and steal all these bases and not totally kill your batting average it's right but he did it and he, he's he's proved himself I, i'd be interested to hear what vlad vlad did in that
1: situation yeah. well right now I, I can we i he, I know, I know, personally, I know, you know, I, he he does both. He puts in the work. You know, he's not going to say it every single one he had a reason, but I know he puts in the work, and mm-hmm. that's more of what I was saying than anything else. Is he he he, he puts the work in, and um, you know, a lot of people, most people, at this point are putting in more work than I'm able to do. Plus, you know, for for various and sundry reasons, there's just so much work and now that i'm older i'm willing to admit it brian's brian walton's been after me for years you played too many leagues no i don't i can handle them i can do this i can do that um when you guys fail to tell me um you, you get tired sooner and you can't do as much work <laughs> at night any i i used to be able to work all night long now it's you know I, I find myself dozing off in the middle of the ball game and it's the eighth inning and i it was the fifth inning before, and I missed three <laughs> innings worth of work. I, you know, I told Ron, you, you you guys didn't tell me about this. I'm trying to let Jeff know, Jeff Erickson, but um, yeah, it's just, not going to
2: happen to him. It's yeah.
1: <laughs> I was relying on these guys, but uh, but anyway, um, I know you got family over. We're gonna need to get you back to your family. I uh, appreciate you taking uh, an hour out of your day to to catch up with me, catch up with us to to chat a little that's a little hopefully give a nugget or two to the people out there trying to win their leagues and we'll both be available for the next six weeks seven weeks to help out if necessary we uh, check us out on twitter uh etc t- trying to do that so um i assume you've got your flight booked if not soon to uh you will to to arizona
2: I I don't have it yet um, but I, and I learned yesterday that they are messing around with the date of the Fall Stars oh, game and the Man it's, I got, uh, Were you flying back on Sunday was that uh, the, I
1: have a red eye so I'm not going to have a rental car so I'm going to have to hope that maybe there's somebody else that has a red eye out as well or I figure I'll figure it out I can I think I can see most of the game um, the trade off is you know we get to hang out for Home Run Derby on Saturday or Friday or whatever it is. And then, then, the games on Sunday. So I couldn't, I usually stay late or come in early. I couldn't do that this year. Um, so um, but yeah, so the, yeah, the, the Sunday is normally watch football day, right? <laughs> it's going to be get to the park for the fall stars game day and hope that we can get to the, get to our flights. But um, yeah, that's the, um, that's the, yeah. ways, but we shall. Anyway, is uh we shall see you, hopefully knock on wood out there in uh yeah, I so. I in hope, Arizona. I,
2: I think you I think you shall. Thanks for having me. It was very fun. Yeah. It was,
1: appreciate it. it great talking about
2: Usenet. Oh you man, know?
1: what was it? Um NandoNet, was that it was Netscape. That was the that was Netscape was like the one page browser, I believe. Right. No tabs. Yeah. And that, yeah, and then <laughs> and then NandoNet. Had the news, so you talk about getting news. If you that happen- sounds
2: NandoNet, that sounds and not familiar,
1: not Fernando, right? not not not, not no, our buddy no. Nando, <laughs> but yeah, that was. So I was in grad school, so I had- we had computers and then and the internet. So you talk about USA Today getting news. I was able to get new every news every day, and I- it was on N and just you know a quick blurb about every team on NandoNet. So anyway, um, <laughs> the-, the good old days, I miss <laughs> missed them at. Miss them at times, others not so much. So, uh, that seems anyway. very it seems very healthy. Yeah, thanks for having me, Todd. All right, thank you, Peter. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, man.